I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Never Gets Old a firsthand account of all things secondhand and sustainable. This is a podcast about the secondhand luxury fashion economy, as well as the world of sustainable fashion, what it means for your closet, what it means for your wallet, what it means for the future. I am your host, Meredith Feynman, and I am joined by my bestie in the Westie, Sarah Lane. Hello, Meredith Feynman. I've missed you. I always miss you. So, dear <laughs> listeners, if I sound buttery and expensive, it's because I am both buttery and expensive, but also I got a new fancy microphone. You do sound pretty buttery and expensive, Mare. I got to say, it's been it's been fun doing a little tech support remotely <laughs> since we're not actually in the same room ever. Oh, lord of mercy. I've come very far uh in this whole process. And, you know, now I have like a preamp. It's a preamp, right? It is. Yes. Yes. So listen, basically, I run a small technology business now. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so so I just got back from New York where I had some fun meetings and the energy in New York is always fun. And I did some, you know, consignment shopping around. Uh, but one thing I really want to talk about, I've been waiting to do this episode. This is an episode about the wide world of fakes and scams. Yes. So we will get into this industry. We will talk about how we feel about it morality wise, what it has to do or not do with sustainable fashion and how to watch out uh, for those scammers and those fakes online and the buying and selling of it. So I know Sarah, unfortunately, had a maybe recent experience. Yeah, in fact, I wish we had done this episode before <laughs> before I before I bought a fake, which I'm pretty convinced I have at this point. Uh, but if you'd like to hear the story, uh, it all starts with Grailed, which we've talked about on previous episodes. Grailed is what would you say? It's 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 less of the secondhand world and more of limited edition cool stuff. Grailed is the hype beast secondhand world. This is a place where you're not saving money. This is a place where you're finding unique cool objects that are big in streetwear and they're never going for under retail they're often going for over retail so if you're looking for a special collaboration like you know these those combat boots that I bought that were Yoji Yamamoto and Doc Martens like stuff like that that's unusual short collaboration lines cool sweatpants all of that is ungrailed 
So I had not heard of Grailed before we started. It never gets old. The podcast, and yeah, I'm, you know, I'm 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 kind of all over these sites now, and I try not to buy too many things, but it, it doesn't always work. So I was I was particularly taken with Grailed. I like the aesthetic. I like the stuff, and. There was a particular day, which it was obviously an unusually cool day in Los Angeles because I was shopping for sweatshirts, which makes no sense, but I was. And there was a acne sweatshirt, the brand Acne, which is in 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 most cases extremely expensive and kind of beyond my budget. And it was just I saw the sweatshirt. It kind of had three quarter inch sleeves, a, a kind of an interesting boat neck. I don't know even what you'd call it, but had a beautiful flower print, very much something that I would just buy. It just looked like me. And, and you sent it to me. You sent it I to did. me and you said, look at this. And I feel guilty because I feel like I should have cut it. And I'll talk in a second about why I didn't. But I looked around. I poked around. I did all the comps, all the comparisons. And not only was it not popping up in other places, but the you know one or two I had found were much more expensive than as it was listed on Grailed. Right. So it was one of these, wow, I'm getting an insane deal. Look at me. I'm amazing. So I went ahead and bought it. And, you know, it's all going through Grailed's back end. And Grailed has kind of a weird back end where there was a notification that I got that it was getting prepared to ship. And there was sort of tracking information, but it wasn't the kind of tracking information where you click a link and then the UPS uh, page pops up. It was just... It seemed a little strange, almost like proprietary tracking. I thought, okay, well, whatever. It was coming from Malaysia. The the account and that should have been that should have been uh, the first a, a, alarm bell. The, fir- the first <laughs> little red flag. Now, now, when you say that, what what about Malaysia um, uh, tingles your spine? So, fakes are a multi billion dollar industry. Um, pervasive. What is a fake? It is something that is copied, usually a luxury object. So that could be a Louis Vuitton bag that someone decides to copy in exact form. There's a huge difference between an imitation and a fake. So an imitation is not passing itself off as the real Louis Vuitton bag. It's quote unquote inspired by. Right. But but a fake is someone replicating it and trying to sell it sometimes as if it were real. So the sweatshirt, it, it's, it's a sort of a convoluted story of how I got the sweatshirt, which I did eventually. But there was a little weirdness for, right off the bat. Like I said, there was some tracking information. And then a, a couple days later, I got another notification. This is all within Grailed saying your item has shipped um, and it was shipped to some address in Canada. And I was like, what? Oh, gosh. You know, so I, 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 I messaged the seller immediately and I'm like, there's a problem that I don't live in Canada. I live in California. You know, what's going on? Who, who signed for my sweatshirt? This is, you know, this is, this is a disaster. And the person, to their credit, whoever they are, got back to me right away and was like, oh, not to worry, totally fine, we'll work it out. And was just very vague about what that meant. And I was like, how are we going to work it out? You're going to get somebody, who's the Canadian? So so what's happening here? So basically, fakes are not legal. Uh, The laws around fakes are not as firm as many in the fashion retail brand industries want them to be. They're constantly trying to crack down, but it's they're playing a game of whack-a-mole. The second you get someone out for faking something, more pop-up. That's just the nature of the internet, the nature of fakes and scams. 
Uh, that's just what it is. So what was happening, the reason why this was sent to Canada was they were trying to avoid it getting flagged in America. So if it was coming straight from Malaysia to America, it might have gotten flagged at customs because customs, if they see something fake, they will retain it. So they tried to bypass it through Canada. And I've seen this before in order to get, you know, around those customs laws. Yeah. At this point, because, you know, we're talking, you know, a week has gone by at this point. And I kept sort of getting these, don't worry, we'll get you your sweatshirt. This is all fine. I eventually got another tracking number. And, you know, at this point I was like, yeah, there's either some middleman in Canada and I don't really understand what's going on. Or... There are <laughs> quite a few of these sweatshirts, and they just send it to the wrong person, and they're like, yeah, I'll just send her another fake. I finally got the sweatshirt. It looked like it was supposed to look, but you know, when you put something on and you're like, it just fits in all the wrong ways. I wouldn't say it was the wrong size, but it just, it was a fit that would not be, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't look good on anybody, no matter what their body size or their shoulder width was. It's just... It's a strange sweatshirt. The fabric feels weird. Everything about it is just off. And that's the thing about fakes. So often you can sniff it out. I think I probably said literally in a previous episode that if you're wondering whether or not, and I'll get into sort of signaling how to, how to make sure you're not buying fakes, at least if you're trying not to, uh, you can smell it often uh, because... There are no regulations in terms of the chemicals that are being used, the leather, fake leather, the treating of leather. So like all you have to do, at least for like a handbag, is sniff it. But the situation you were in, Sarah, is really tricky. And now that I think about it, I am pretty sure I have a fake acne coat. So let's talk about like why we both got scammed. I'm a level 15 in all of this stuff, and still I didn't realize. So the truth is, if it's too good to be true... It is, but but the scammers and the fakers are getting more savvy in the sense that like Sarah paid over a hundred dollars for the sweatshirt, so it's not like it was twenty bucks. If it had been listed at twenty dollars, she would have known, and also likely would have gotten flagged on Grailed. So yeah. this is a multi-billion-dollar industry, and anything that can be made can be faked. And I think that I really underestimated that. You look at a brand like Acne, which is heavily desired, but it's not a Gucci, it's not a Chanel. And I, I'm realizing now that I bought, and they're they're shown at these price points that are just low enough that it's enticing, but high enough where your alarm bells aren't going off. So right, right. I paid $200 for this acne wool coat, which is very low. And I was thinking about it, and I like it, but I, you know, you can just kind of tell. Sometimes it's just that unspoken element, or you just know in your head. Um, but it's a huge problem. In fashion, uh, and it's it's emblematic of our desire to have status symbols and not pay for them, uh, and a lot of times goes to show that we want the label and not the actual item. I mean, a lot of this stuff is very much out of people's reaches, and so it says a lot about you know luxury fashion, how we signal status symbols, how we tell other people that we are fashionable, that we have money, and it's incredibly enticing. I will admit. I bought fake stuff before knowingly and I didn't feel so bad about it. Yeah, I the sweatshirt is is still with me. Uh, I will say for the record and they probably have to deal with this a lot. So I'm not, you know, I I don't feel personally 
ignored, but I did message grailed the the company twice. The first time was when the Canada thing happened where I'm like, whoa, I think I just paid for something. You know, you've taken my money and it didn't come to me. And then I messaged them again when I finally got the sweatshirt and was like, I don't think this is real. Never heard back from, from grailed either time, even just a canned response, nothing. So this is one of those things where I was like, yeah, I should have known better and I'm on my own. Well, and they're trying to save their asses legally. So basically, what are your protections? What is Grailed is billing itself like, uh oh, these are, you know, these are third party. This is not, you know, condoned by Grailed. A lot of these, whether, so the real real is the only one with in house authentication. But if you're selling on a Tradesy, you're selling on a Grailed, you're selling on a Depop, uh, you're selling on Vistair. Uh, in those situations, those sites absolve themselves, but they also have codes of conduct. Um, so like, as I had said before, I got thrown off Poshmark once for trying to do deals in the comments and like pay people offline on PayPal. Same thing will happen if you're, if you're being flagged for a fake, uh, and your account will be shut down or to get it reinstated, you're going to have to go through a lot of measures. But again, it's this giant game of whack-a-mole. Um, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Anything that you want can be faked and it's incredibly enticing. And so these sites, don't really have protections. Uh, I think it's a huge question in the industry. They're always trying to crack down on fakes because where's the money going? So that's one huge issue with the fake industry, uh, the fake handbag, fake clothing. I've seen some of these dark websites where like, I mean, anything, Gucci comes out with something one week and the next week it is on the site. It is unbelievable. I don't totally understand it. I have heard uh, that in certain instances, Sometimes it's all fake and sometimes it is the actual factories where these items are being made and they are shutting them down at night. And then there's this whole sort of second shift uh, that is paying off people to continue to produce these things. And then they get sold sort of on the, on the underbelly. And yeah, the- I mean, it doesn't surprise me considering there's just there's just so much of it. You know, you can't just you can't just like create a warehouse it, it takes it takes quite a bit of machinery and 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 manpower and that sort of thing well and in asia where a lot of these fakes are coming from china especially is known for uh fake things in general i had a friend who wrote a book her name is bianca bosker about the like fakes in china talking about like fake cities like fake everything like just the ability the manpower the money and the space to just replicate things and one of the issues in the industry is fakes are getting so good. Like, again, it's this whack-a-mole game that not only do brands have to start figuring out how they're going to deal with this, but also they have to figure out how we're going to, you know, get better and better at authenticating items. So, for example, in China, the Louis Vuitton fakes, so there are different levels of fakes, and it's all coded language, and I've learned some of it over the years, but, you know, it goes by, like, quality grades. So there's A, AA, and AAA. I believe that is what it currently stands at. Again, whack-a-mole, it's always changing. But like AAA is the highest level fake. And to my understanding, the the AAA Louis Vuitton fakes in China are higher quality than the actual Louis Vuitton bags. And thus, people in China buy the fake ones instead. That is so weird. <laughs> it's like it's like it's it's some sort of full circle thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But uh, what I have found from my learning experience on Grailed is that I am getting better at being able to flag accounts 
because there are certain telltale things where it's like somebody's account, you know, it doesn't, it, they've got a weird profile picture where their name is kind of weird. And you look at other things that they might be selling. Poshmark is a great example of this. I almost bought some sunglasses on Poshmark. They were actually sunglasses that I used to own. These Terry Lazary sunglasses that I loved and I left in a rental car and it's a whole sad story. I just want the same ones again. Found them on Poshmark and it's like something's just kind of wrong with that account. Like I, 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 And I could be wrong. I might be paranoid. But I, it, there's, there are certain things where you kind of go like, yeah, they've got too much of this one item or... You know, you just you just get a feeling. Yeah, so let's talk about some signals. Um, so how do you stop yourself from buying something fake or getting scammed? So I think as I had said, I got scammed, and that was my own dumb fault, uh, by trying to buy a Chanel bag off of a platform. So stay on a platform, first of all. Stay on the platform. Once you go into PayPal, once you start privately messaging with someone, you have zero protections. Uh, I'm not surprised that Grail didn't say anything to Sarah, but like over a certain amount of money, like you have some protections and there's a company behind you with customer service people, with codes of conduct and what have you. So for example, on Poshmark, Anything that's $500 or over uh, will go to Poshmark first to be authenticated. But where it gets tricky is anything under $500, you're on your own. So I think that's what happened with the acne coat. So understanding those levels, that's particular to Poshmark. Grail does not have that in place. Tradesy does not have that in place. I'm not sure if Vistera has that in place. Depop definitely does not have that in place. So people are trying to wrangle this, but you're really on your own. So as Sarah said, if it looks too good to be true, it just is. If you see something that's like way lower or just too good to be true, don't take that chance unless it's with the real real, which has in-house authentication. One thing you can learn up on if there's something you're really dying to buy, like let's say a Celine bag. Uh, there are, and you can find these online by Googling, same goes for Chanel, same goes for Louis Vuitton, same goes for Gucci. Googling around for the different points that signal that a bag is real. Let me give you an example. I bought a Celine tote bag from Tokyo 7 uh, in New York for a client. Turned out to be fake. Uh, Got in a huge fight with the owner. He refused to take it back. I still hold that grudge, though I was in New York this week and still bought something from him. Uh, (laughs) but, But, you know, that was extremely fucking not cool. So... Basically, well, and 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 what 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 was the reason for the refusal to take it back? What, what what was there some dispute that you were telling the truth? You know, I don't know. This was not good practice. I mean, yeah. if it were my store, like it's just not good practice. So, I think it slipped under the radar at Tokyo Seven because Tokyo Seven doesn't take fake things. So, no consignment store will take fake things, and you have to say that like, and people are getting better. Consignment stores are getting better at authenticating. There are apps that where you scan barcodes on like a Chanel bag. There's because people will fake anything. I mean, we're not just talking about faking the Chanel bag. We're talking about faking the dust bag, faking the authenticity card, faking the hologram inside, faking the box, faking the tissue paper, faking the ribbon, like all of it soup to nuts. Like this is a really serious operation. They are not fucking around. So I bought this bag and 
it even I didn't even realize it wasn't real. And I think it got passed by on Tokyo 7 because Tokyo 7 is a store that really buys more unusual pieces and buys more sculptural pieces, buys more Japanese designers. They're not a place to go if you want to get Gucci or Louis Vuitton, you know, or Celine, frankly. Um, And so I wasn't sure when I brought it to my client because she actually flagged it first and she had looked up uh, key points that show you that a Celine bag is real and every single Celine bag has at least through Phoebe Philo's through 2018 bags uh, has a little flap with a kind of like a it's a it's a leather little flap on the inside with a unique code. And so the problem is, if you think you've bought something fake, nobody will authenticate it for you. The actual stores will not. So you can't buy a Celine bag not from Celine and take it into them. Like they have policies that they won't do it because, again, like they need to cover their own butts. Mm -hmm. Um, So I remember calling someone who ran a Celine boutique and he said he couldn't authenticate it. But if it did not have that flap, it was not real. So there are these signalers that you can look for. And again, it's whack-a-mole. Fakes and scammers are getting more and more and more sophisticated, which one thing that was really interesting when I was at the Copenhagen Fashion Summit, they're actually now talking about using blockchain technology uh, specifically to start tracking the life of an item and really finally be able to tell whether something's real or not. Which is the way that Bitcoin and lots of other cryptocurrencies work as well. There is a ledger uh, where th- all transactions are, are there, there is a record of where this currency, this money is going. So to be able to track goods the same way would at least, if you really wanted to be a detective, you would know who, whose hands uh, that Celine bag had been in. Totally. And so that's, that's one way the industry is trying to catch up. Um, but I'll admit, I've I've bought fake things before. I remember my first fake purchase and realizing that that was even an option. I was delighted. I was in seventh grade on a class chorus trip to New York. And we were going to lunch somewhere and we stepped out of our tour bus. And little 13-year-old me, at the time, the coolest bags were Hervé Chapelier, which still exists today. They're sort of nylon, two-tone bags. And Longchamp, which also exists. Those are like the tits. And I saw this guy selling them on the street, and I was kind of confused. I was like, how'd you get these bags? Like, why are you selling them on the street? Um, and not in so many words, I quickly realized that they were imitation bags, and they were like 20 bucks each. And I was like, absolutely. Um, it's incredibly tempting. Yeah. Well, I mean, and was there, th- this is obviously something that you could, you know, go back, go back home to DC, and all of a sudden you've got this really cool bag. Were you under the impression that people would be fooled, or did that even matter to you? So I don't think I cared. And I think people I, I, I so so this is the funny thing about buying a fake thing. You know, it's not real. The truth is nobody really cares about whatever anyone else is doing. They're too busy being in their own heads. So mm-hmm. like the, the the chance that someone would look at something and say, I know that's fake, though. I have this I have this magnet on my refrigerator with this little girl. And it says I can tell your purse is fake, which is just bitchy, um, but also <laughs> true. Uh, you know, I think I just wanted to fit in and I wanted, you know, the cool girls had these bags and I didn't care. And I think that I was self-conscious and that's always the way it is when you have something that's not real. Like you want the status symbol. It says a lot about like what we value as a culture, you know, what capitalism has given us in terms of like how we show our value. 
But I just wanted to fit in and I felt a little embarrassed, but I also was willing to take that risk. Totally. And I remember then that continued into high school and early college. I would do these, I would take the bus up to New York and do these deals on a street corner in on Canal Street, uh, which is a hotbed of fake bags in New York City. And what you would do is, I remember specifically buying this Alex Wang bag right when it came out, the one with like the metal on the bottom. And so it was like doing a drug deal that not that I've really done drug deals, but what I would imagine a drug deal to be. And so basically what you would do is like, you'd like whisper to a guy like, Hey, do you have this bag? Like, you know, and then they would bring it out like in a closed bag. Cause they're like New York cracks down really hard. And I actually haven't bought a fake bag in a long time. So I don't know like about what it's like these days, but canal street, they're always trying to sweep for that. But so, um, and you would look in this like, nondescript bag and I'd like check it out and I'd be like okay and then I would walk to the Burger King on Canal Street and take out cash because obviously it's a cash transaction and like he would hand me the bag and I would like gently slip him the cash but it's this whole world I mean it's a whole whole world I would do that you know I never tried to like I bring them back for friends I never tried to pass them off as real but it, it felt like this this hack I mean that's that's the thing about doing things that aren't the best thing it like it's not the best stuff but it it like feels thrilling and it feels like you're kind of, I don't know, avoiding, you you know, some things everyone else does. It. Yeah. I've, I've actually got this, uh, this fanny pack that is, it's like a camo print. And then the strap is that Gucci, uh, green and red, very telltale, whatever. And I was over at a friend's house recently and I had it with me, and she was like, ooh, that's nice. Is that Gucci? And I laughed. I was like, no, I don't have a Gucci fanny pack. Like, come on. <laughs> like, I can barely pay my own rent. However, it did give me that little burst of like, but it could have been. And think of all the strangers that see me on the street and maybe just think that I'm rocking a Gucci fanny pack. It's like, for whatever reason, that does feel good. It does. It totally does. It feels like you know, you can attain a status or a thing that, that is not within your reach and you've managed to game the system. I yeah. mean, I remember it gets even more, it's a whole world, but I remember at one point when I would start going to New York, then what you'd have to do is like ask people, and this this came up in one of my absolute favorite episodes of Broad City where Alana and her mom are shopping for fake bags in Canal Street and they like literally go down, I think, like a sewer grate. So basically, I remember like you talk to someone and then you'd kind of lean over and be like, you got any Chanel bags? And then basically they would like open. It was like, you know, those bookcases in those like secret bookcases. They would like open the entire door to their store, the entire like whole wall. And behind the wall, you'd have to step in to like where all the good shit was, where all the real fake illicit shit was. And it's exciting and it's thrilling. So it's, listen, it's a multi-billion dollar industry that is a problem, but I understand why it's appealing. And this is what we have to rectify. I think that, you know, regulations and cracking down on fakes are always going to be something that the industry wants to do. And this game of whack-a-mole will continue. I think that things will, as long as you can make luxury goods and things people want, they can be faked. But we need to talk about the morality issue, which is, I mean, there are just so many, so many issues with the industry from, is it funding terrorism? Is it violating every labor law. I mean, there are no labor laws, but worker conditions, exposure to toxic chemicals, none of this is regulated. Yeah, I mean, if if the 
if the hypothesis that a lot of the stuff is kind of going on after hours in 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 factories otherwise who's overseeing that you know are 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 yeah are people being treated fairly um are they in danger all of that stuff you have to take into consideration because just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening yes and that's that's the real question and i will say i've been tempted you know like i wanted that gucci hair clip that was ridiculous and i saw a fake one on one of these dark websites i've poked around the internet for long enough to see some of these places and you know i'm like nobody could tell the difference uh, but one reason why I stopped buying fake things was that they have absolutely no resale value. So, you know, you can no store will take them. You'll get flagged on a you'll get flagged on a site. Uh, and so, you know, as part of it never gets old and wanting to create this sort of closed loop of fashion and recycle things like there's really not a second life for mm-hmm. these fake items, though I do think like a you know billion dollar idea though i don't know who would get away with this would be to have a secondhand site for fakes yeah so that's an interesting thing to consider because of course we're always talking about sustainability and the fact that you can make a bunch of cheap stuff but you're also adding to landfills and just junk in general if you buy into the fake thing you don't get to it doesn't it doesn't live past you i mean it could i suppose but in general you're kind of stuck with it and if everyone's doing that then there's just a lot more junk and we already have a tremendous waste problem and so there is no resale value so if you're trying to sell something that isn't real uh that will work uh you got to give it to a friend or i guess you know sell it to someone that you know personally because nobody will let you do it really uh and it can put you in danger and, you know, I think it's something to really think about morality wise. And and when you are shopping and keeping your eyes open and looking for the different points that signal that something is real. And if someone only has one listing on their, you know, Poshmark or Grailed account or again, as you know, Sarah said, they seem to have like all this Chanel stuff um, or all the Celine stuff. And it's clear they don't work for a brand or they aren't a stylist or they aren't someone, you know, you can, you, you need to do your due diligence basically. Yeah. That, but I mentioned the, the sunglasses person on, on Poshmark and I wish I had the page up right now, uh, because I don't totally remember the, the, uh, username, but it was something like Hollywood closet underscore or something like that. And yeah, you look and you're like, no one person would have all of these things it just doesn't make any sense i mean you'd have to be like extremely wealthy to have it in the first place and then what are you really doing on poshmark and who are you are you a conglomerate you know all of that stuff is like it all leads into being like what is this stuff where did you get it and it's probably not real and listen as long as as i said as long as there are markers of luxury and status people will fake them uh, you know, there are you wouldn't believe what can be faked, which is why, you know, I felt so bad about Sarah buying the sweatshirt to bring it all back and my anything, really anything. So, you know, I remember going to my nail salon and they're like, you have to be very careful buying nail polish on the Internet. People are making fake OPI and SE nail polish wow. like anything that can be faked will be faked. And it's a huge morality issue. And I understand it from both sides, but we need to consider you know, buying secondhand is a way to get these things for less as long as you're careful and cautious with it instead of considering buying something fake. And the fashion industry doesn't know what to do about it. They have regulations in place. They have task forces. They've tried to, you know, create all these laws. 
But, you know, as long as there's an underbelly for something and someone wants it and someone will pay for it, it's going to exist. So Sarah and I have spent about a half hour talking about the world of fakes and scams, but I want to hear from It Never Gets Old listeners. Do you buy fake stuff? Do you love your fake stuff? Are you tempted? Have you tried to sell it? Have you gotten scammed? Like, tell us all of your stories, but also where you sit on this issue. It's a big and important debate in the industry, and I want to hear from you. Where can you submit those questions, comments, what have you? You can find us online at ingopodcast.com. There, there's a submission form to ask a question, leave a comment. There's also a call-in line where you can leave us a short and sweet voicemail. Or you can find us on social media at ingopodcast on Twitter and on Instagram. Slide into those DMs. You can slide into my DMs too, at Meredith Feynman. And we'll continue this conversation. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.